It's great to have you back for Season 2, Episode 7 of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. We had two big Group 1s at Rose Hill on Saturday as we saw Very Elegant announce herself to the racing world in the Tancred and Shout the Bar did what many weren't expecting it to do by beating home the well-fancied Probabil and Funstar in the Rhinery Stud Stakes. In Victoria, racing continued at Bendigo where the Golden Mile was won for the second time by Halliver Street. Joining me via Skype to talk through all the action is racing expert Chris Fenuccio. We've got our Shoulda Backed It social distance plan in place, Big V. How's the electronic wallet looking after yesterday? Hi, Phil. Good to see you over, even though it's over Skype and first time we're doing it this way, so let's hope everything goes according to plan. But yeah, it was great to have racing on yesterday and you know, good to have a distraction. And let's hope that, you know, we can get a few more weeks out of it. Yeah, look, obviously a lot of very intense things going on in the world at the moment, Big V. So I guess for a lot of people it would have been nice to spend an hour or two just sitting back watching some of the, some of the racing. And I thought it was really exceptional racing on the weekend. I really enjoyed it. No, it was good. You know, there was a few winners there. I thought Bendigo could have been a bit of a disaster for, for punters, the way the track was playing, and even Rose Hill. But I think with... The Rose Hill track, we were expecting it to to play to the on-speed horses like it had been last week because of the the rain and the the weather up there. But Bendigo, I think you're sort of expecting a fair track and really didn't get it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm I'm not sure. I did see in the last couple of races a couple of horses sneak down the inside at Bendigo and actually do pretty well. So I'm not sure if the going was actually that bad down there or whether the jockeys just all sort of started fanning out as a as a result of discussions, or I'm not really sure the reason why they started doing that, to be honest. Yeah, it was surprising, but thankfully Michael D on Big Night Out in the last, he decided to go back to the inside, got the gaps, and just bolted in, and I think that was the result that the punters really wanted, because it was well well backed. Yeah, I think that was probably uh, a lot of people's best bet for the day, Big Night Out, so it certainly didn't disappoint. It was a quite a comprehensive win in the end, in front of Jumbo yeah. Asaki. To be honest, I did think Jumbo Azaki, it ran well. I, I was prepared to take that on. I thought its its runs had been okay, but in really weaker grades. So, no, Jumbo Azaki, good run, but big night out. He just had the, the class edge on that field. I, sh- I should give you some credit too, Big V. I think after we saw Big Night Out run at Flemington a few weeks back, uh, you said to me almost immediately after that race, keep an eye on it next start it will do very well so um you probably don't even remember saying that but uh many weeks later you were spot on yeah no wasn't expecting it to be bendigo but 1400 third up it was perfect conditions i think the wide barrier sort of i was, I was hoping you might have got a better opening price with the barrier but at 280 in the end i managed to get and so not too bad in the end when it paid 220 sp so no, I think that was a good result, and I think a lot of people had big night out in their black books, and it, it paid off. Yeah, look, I think overall at Bendigo and Rose Hill, most punters would have got away pretty well, I would have thought, but of course there's always a couple that we miss out on, mate, so we might just move straight into our should have backed it uh, for the weekend, and I understand yours is positive peace, which um, is actually a little bit surprising given that I thought that was one of your faves and you were certainly on it a couple of weeks back at your Bucks party, I can assure you. Yes, we were on it and we got 550 in a benchmark 88 and I thought $7.50 in a Group 2 might have been a bit under the odds because it was a big jumping grade, a lot more pressure 
against a lot of talented horses. So I just was wondering how he was going to handle that pressure up up against horses like Sweet Deal and Armengiri. So I was happy to to be against it, you know, up in a group two. But Jesus, uh, big performance, just keep stepping up. And I think with the the Rosal track, the way it's third week in a row, hit wet weather. I think that track really suited in really fit horses and, and Positive Peace was one of them. Yeah, and it's obviously got some guts too, the way it's stuck on. A lot of horses would have folded, having done a bit of work to get to the front and then, you know, being left hang up to dry by the jockey quite a long way out and still managed to hang on. So that was one of the more impressive wins of the uh, whole day from my perspective. Yeah. And just one other point on, on the way the race unfolded. On paper, there looked like to be a lot of pressure, but... Once they found their positions and Amangiri was leading and Sweet Deal was happy to just sit behind Amangiri, I don't think they really went that hard in the emancipation stakes. So I think that did suit Positive Peace as well. Just able to settle, find a spot and was probably the stronger horse. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of the stronger horse, um, my shoulder backed it for the weekend, was also at Rose Hill in race four in the group three there with uh, Nightwatch getting the job done. Now, Look, I think Nightwatch has been a bit of a love-hate with the uh, punters over the time. Hasn't won in a while, but when you look back on it, it was $8. It was very much suited by the set weights and penalty conditions in that race. Looked to get in really well. Had J-Mac on board and had performed probably a lot better in in much harder races in the past. So the fact that it started $7.50, $8 was a bit of overs and really disappointed to have missed that. Yeah, good result. Um, yeah, not too much more I can add from that race. Um, you know, the favourite was Ordinary. I think maybe the second horse, Oliferous, might have a win coming up soon. So, yeah, not much more I can add from that race. Yeah, it was a nice ride, though, I must say. J-Mac certainly uh, continuing his, his rare form at Rose Hill, at least, yeah. yeah with the amount of winners he, he got again yesterday, for one of them not to be fun start, <laughs> a lot of people. It certainly hurt me because I had it in a in a multi that would have made my day good into great. So, but he's just on fire and in the zone. So, yeah. him and Tom Marquand, I think they're the two informed jockeys in Sydney at the moment. Yeah, you almost just about stick with all the J Mac horses on a day now, though you might not quite get the prices you were getting uh, over the last few weeks. So, for our should have sacked it for the weeks. I think we're both gone to Bendigo, which is which is good. And yours is So C Bond, which ran I ran a nice little four, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this one. Well, I just got sucked in by it, and I just think... I mean, it was, it was a big drop in grade from what it's been running against, and I just thought that it does, doesn't matter what type of horse So C Bond's in, it's just going to let you down. I mean, it ran sixth in the All-Star Miles, so it's only two and a half lengths behind Regal Power. Just under three lengths behind 50 stars in the Blamey Stakes. And before that was ran in the Ore Stakes, and here it is in the Golden Mile. $6. I expected a lot better, and it's been beaten by nearly four lengths. So he's a horse that you can't trust and lets you down, and I'm not going to get sucked in by him anymore. I'm a little bit surprised that it's taking you this long to not be sucked in by him, Big V. It's uh, well, not a horse that wins often. No, admittedly he's not a horse of mine, but I would have thought running in a Group 1, a Group 2 and the All-Star Mile and dropping back to you know the Golden Mile at Bendigo, 
I did expect a lot better. You know, he's been running in you know weight for age type races, and he's got he had fifty nine and a half in a I think in a handicap here, and I just I expect better. No, no, fair enough, mate. Uh, well, my should have backed it for the, the weekend was actually in the first at Bendigo. I was hoping to bookend the program with a, a nice little double grand promenade up into Big Night Out. But unfortunately, um, my day was over pretty early with that one, with Grand Promenade running a pretty disappointing fourth in that, in that race um, behind. Look, a horse without um, being too critical of the horse, Bud Fox, which is not exactly a high-class horse. In, in relative sense, so really disappointed by that. And to be honest, Big V, I'm still wondering what happened in that race. I mean, the horse was backed off the planet. Everyone was on it. I just couldn't understand where John Allen decided to go with the horse. He, he sat it out three wide, about fifth last, against a very strong breeze apparently down there in Bendigo. I just can't imagine a worse spot to sit with 60 kilos over 2,400 metres. Yeah, and, and I think the other disappointing thing is there was no questioning by the stewards afterwards. I mean, you look through the form guide and Grand Promenade has always been on the speed, you know, settling next to the leader. And here he is, no intent shown, last in the run and given no chance of winning. I mean, you want the stewards to at least ask the question of the jockey and the trainer, you know, what were the instructions today? And and unfortunately, when we're not going to know. Yeah, very disappointing, especially for a horse that started so short. To not to not have any discussion around the ride or, or, or what happened is quite astounding. When you consider, we've discussed on this podcast in the past, jockeys that have just run a little bit quick, couple of quick sectionals, um, a couple of quick furlongs over a, a race, and they've been pulled in and given a wrap over the knuckles. And this horse, um, ridden against its normal pattern, very poorly, there's no, no discussion. Yeah, it was clearly a change of tactics here. I mean, all, all, that, all the stewards have to ask is just ask John Allen what were the instructions, and he might have said it was to go forward, but from the wide gate, there was no opportunity to go forward. I mean, that could have been his explanation because, you know, he might have thought if I had pushed up, I would have been posted wide anyway doing a lot of work, but at least ask the question. Yeah, look, and it actually reminded me uh, of a horse that we discussed also from our Run from the Bush segment. I, I watched this horse a few weeks ago, Liale at Ballarat. It started about $12, and to be honest, the field it started in didn't look any stronger than some of the other races it had been in at Mooney Valley where it had started favourite. Now, it's a leader, and it was uh, in barrier two, so I expected it to jump and run, take an, uh, a leading spot and, and win or at least put up a competitive performance. Instead, they dropped it out the back. It just sat there. The jockey never touched it the whole way around, and it came and finished about third last without, you know, it would have been able to go around three more times at that pace. And then stewards report, nothing. So, I mean, there's no consistency in what we're seeing with that, and it's disappointing for punters, I think. If I could just go off track a, a little bit as well, a couple of weeks ago I backed um, a horse in Perth, Naughty by Nature, which got beat by, I think it's Regal Power, that ended up winning the WA, I think WA Oaks. And Naughty by Nature was a heavily backed favourite. In the end, has done nothing. It's run, it weakened badly, finished in the second half of the field. I looked at the stewards' report, nothing nothing about the favourite running poorly. I mean, you want to find out. You want, if, if a favourite runs poorly, you want to get 
try and find out a reason why, you know, get the vet to look over it, find out. And then it's bounced back and it's run second behind um, in the WA Oaks. And and you just you just think to yourself, I mean, why are we getting any information about what might have been wrong with the horse? And I think that's the frustrating thing. I think certainly with favourites, when they, when they have an off day, we've got to have at least try and find out a reason why, you know, just let the punters know. So then, you know, they might want to back up, back it again next time. And I think, I think you're right there, mate. I think we all understand that they're horses. They're not machines, you know, that they're not going to always be able to be at their top of their game for every start. There's a whole host of reasons why they might not perform as well as you might expect, but you're right. It's just about that information flying back to the punters because I think going back to Grand Promenade, I can see it come out coming out and winning comfortably next start. You know, it doesn't make any difference what happened on that in that race. You you can almost forget it ever happened. And the fact of the matter is, on this occasion, I think that was not inflicted by the horse. I think that the, the ride what cost it. Is it going to the South Australian Derby? Do you know where it's going to next? I mean, I thought it might be difficult going into state with the way things are going with the COVID-19. Yeah, look, it's hard to say at this stage, I would have thought. I think racing's a day-by-day prospect, let alone looking about uh, getting horses across state borders at the moment. But, yeah, I'm not sure where it's uh, going next, but it wouldn't surprise me if it came out and won. Now, Big V, it's actually been two weeks since we've spoken. We had a hiatus last week, couldn't get couldn't get on to each other with a, a lot of different things happening in the world, as you'd expect. But we did see your top tip for the Golden Slipper take the uh take the chocolates farnham so how do you how do you think that ran it was obviously a pretty um impressive performance yeah it was pretty good and i think you know speaking in hindsight you're always a lot smarter afterwards but i was surprised that it wasn't even shorter in the market because you got a front running horse drawn wide i think wide barriers for some reason wide barriers in two-year-old races when they're on speed horses you always seem to get a better price than than what you should be, and you know, it was five dollars fifty. It was backed into about four sixty, four eighty. I think it should have been even shorter. You just see, apart from that Magic Millions run when it had the um, the bet check in the lead up, it's it's won five out of six races and been winning easily. And I had a look at that replay, the Todman when it beat Tagaloa, and after watching it, I thought to myself. No, I'm confident Farnham will, will still beat Tagaloa. And I think um, with Tagaloa, a lot, I think too much was made of how much ground it was gaining on Farnham in the last 100. But it had been under pretty hard riding. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tagaloa was probably looking for the 1,400 metres by now. We saw that in the slipper. Before they hit the turn, Tagaloa was really under pressure under hard riding and he's actually finished well but I just thought Farnham might have just had too much brilliance and and it showed. Yeah for sure I think that's a, it's a good summary of the the race Big V and, and you know a good nice even crop of two-year-olds it looked like as we went into the race but as you say you got if you were a fan of Farnham you certainly got a good price which is um, I guess a good thing mate that's what you've been screaming out for so I guess you can't complain when you when you do get it. No and and moving on, so I mentioned, you know, on-speed horses, drawing wide. And we saw that in the first race at Rose Hill on Saturday with Royal Celebration. And I, I was just 
bit too clever because I've, I've got unders on the board. <laughs> so I backed it. I think I got, before the deduction, waiting for... Um, there's, there's a couple of horses that have been dual accepted on, on the Friday waiting for the, the, the scratchings to happen. So couldn't wait. So I ended up backing Royal Celebration anyway. And uh, it's the SP ended up being 370 and I've got 320. And I was just surprised. It, I, I know it's drawn wide, but it was always going to be on the speed going forward. And and I just think the 370 was a gift. And, you know, nothing wrong with wide barriers with front-running horses. Yeah, absolutely. I think in that race they came for a couple of the... Uh the overseas Raiders, but ultimately, yeah, Royal Celebration looked a really good bet and it certainly kicked me off in a, in a good way. I only got 350 myself, but I was pretty happy with that because I thought I was probably uh, going to get under $3 earlier in the day. So certainly a good start to the day and a, another one that you've been following throughout its campaign. So no doubt you're uh, pretty excited by that. You're right, Phil, and Royal Celebration had that positive peace form. So I think that's another reason why I had my eye on a second to positive piece, which we're, we were on last start, and and I did mark it down as a two two eighty shot. So to get, yeah, as I said, two three seventy was you know, a very generous price. Yeah, absolutely. I was happy to get it. So that's good wrap of the Rose Hill meeting. Is there any other final observation for that one? I think the as I mentioned before, I think it looked like a day, you know, with the the track conditions and the weather, that you really needed to be on some fit horses. And, you know, Very Elegant was one, you know, but she had a lot of class as well. Uh, Vega Days, you know, I think his fitness was telling against Manicure and Kementari, who I think were both first up. And as well in the, the final race with Cascadian, um, I, was, I was sort of half surprised that Star of the Seas was as short as he was. You know, 1,100 to 15 is always a big ask, and... I think I did fall into that trap a couple of weeks ago with Emeralds jumping 12 to 16. A 400-metre jump in distance, you know, when you're in those little distance range is quite tough. And a lot of the commentary on Star of the Seas was, you know, it will be better second up at 1,500. That's sound in theory if your first up run was over 13 or 14. So uh, maybe a false favourite there. So, yeah, I think... You know, fit horses, you know, were the ones you wanted to be on. For sure. I did want to just uh, go back to Very Elegant, though. I mean, it'd be remiss of us not to discuss that in a little bit more depth. That's one of the more impressive wins you're likely to see on a track, and it had people uh, suggesting that it could be um, one of the key contenders in the Cups in the spring. But before it goes there, it's likely to go to the Queen Elizabeth, where it will take on a a day. And there's also the Japanese horse that... Uh, looks pretty smart as well, so it's going to be a really hot race. Not to mention your fave, Tiaku Shark. So that looks like a really good race coming up in a few weeks' time. So early thoughts on that one at this stage? Well, I'm I'm prepared to take on the Shark now. I think Adib might have his measure, and maybe even the Japanese horse. I, I think Tiaku Shark last start, I know the, the track pattern and the way it was ridden was against him, but I, I do think that he, he was entitled to do a little bit better. So I'm, I'm going to go with the deep over the shark. It's just I've got to look into a little bit more with the Japanese horse. Yeah, I'd be, uh, after seeing Very Elegant this start, and I know it got beaten by it last start, but uh, the jockey dropped the whip with about 200 to go on Very Elegant, so I can see it 
being able to turn the tables on a deep if they do get to uh, race again at the Queen Elizabeth. Well, but, the other point is that um, Chris Waller decided to run in the tank group as a as a last minute decision because I think there's a group one there for the taking, and with everything happening with the coronavirus, it, you know, racing could be could have could be having a break you know any day now. So mm. I think he just wanted to try and grab that group one when the opportunity was there. So you know whether maybe she's at her peak now and she can go another level for the Queen Elizabeth is a is another matter, but you know she's a chance. But I'll be looking at Adib and the the Japanese horse. Looking a bit more uh, short term, and hopefully we do get to see this race because it looks like an absolute ripper on paper. Is the TJ next week? So just go go through the market currently, and I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts. We've got Bivouac and Nature Strip at five dollars fifty. Nature Strip running really nice trial, um, I think yesterday or a couple of days ago. Loving Gabby and Santa Ana Lane six dollars. Pirata seven. Exceedance eleven. Then you've got others like Red Zell and Trekking also in the market. What are, what are your thoughts on that one at this stage? Well, it's going to be a tough race. I I wouldn't jump off Bivouac. I don't think he likes the Valley, so I'd be surprised if we ever see him at the Valley again. I think he's a big horse that probably needs to get balanced up, and Mooney Valley doesn't do that for him. I mean, I wouldn't be ruling out loving Gabby. I mean, she's having an outstanding prep. I just, I'm not sure what to make of Santa and Elaine. I thought he could have done a little bit better first up. And um, Parada as well in the Galaxy. I, I expected a little, a little bit more from Parada. So maybe I might take them on. Exceedance, I don't think he's going well enough. You know, he can, he can add another, you know, $10 to his price at least. And, you know, Nature Strip, whether he can do that in a high-pressure 1,200-metre race. So I think I might be looking at the three-year-olds again, Bivouac and, and Loving Gabby. Trekking is an interesting runner. I yes. Mean, I think if everything was normal without the the coronavirus, he'd be heading towards the, the Brisbane Carnival, which isn't happening this year. So, I mean, Trekking, you know, first up in the TJ, he might have been one you look at for, you know, the Doombin 10,000 and the Stradbroke, but those races won't be happening so i think he's an interesting runner and uh cosmic force is the next in the market no i couldn't have him look i I'm, i might be just sticking with bivouac and loving gabby yeah look uh early for me i definitely i'm going to give santa and elaine one last chance can't not after it's winning the same race last year but i tell you what i reckon oh, it's going to be tough to actually put the money Money on the table, but Nature Strip also is one that I'm, I'm I'm very keen on again. Whether or not I'll take the five fifty on offer, I doubt. But if I could get sort of six or seven dollars, I'd have to have a really good think about Nature Strip as well. I think yeah, it's going to be a great race, and it might be even be one of those races where I'm just happy to stay out and watch because you know when you when you have a punt, you want to have it with some reasonable level of confidence that you're going to get something in return. Yeah, if it's a if it's a tough race, it's tough to call. Uh, I'll just I'll see how it goes. Wait till the barriers come out and you know see how the map looks. So um, aside from those couple that you mentioned, are there any particular horses to follow out of the meetings yesterday that you liked? From my perspective, I had obviously positive peace just went up another level and yeah. I'd be very happy to, to keep watching it. Kementari back from its uh, gelding 
uh, <laughs> operation and uh, hasn't raced in a long time. And I thought that was a very good run uh, to finish third in that race. Um, and I'm going to give Admiral's Joker one last chance. It ran third again at Bendigo yesterday at, at a reasonable price, but I just don't think it's had the run that it needed this prep. And I, I feel like it has got a win still in it. Yeah, um, a couple of horses I was looking at. Well, just the one point I wanted to make on positive peace, another reason why I didn't back it was James McDonald had ridden her, you know, last two wins, and he jumped off for Pahuta Kawa. So I think that was another another factor towards that. But I think from that race, Amon Geary was first up, and, you know, not a bad run. You know, she'll be fitter for that. I mean, she's been beaten by horses that have were deep in their prep, so... I think she's one to follow out of that race. I don't think there was too many to to follow out of that. I mean, you got Funstar and Probabil. Yeah, maybe Funstar in the Coolmore Legacy might appreciate going back to 1,500, 1,600 metres. I wouldn't want to see her in a Doncaster, maybe. But Is Probabil you know, expected to be in that race? Um, in the Coolmore Legacy, I think so, yeah. yeah I, don't think, I don't think either of them are going to the Oaks. I just think pound for pound, Probabil is... Massive overs when it takes on Funstar. I mean, you could get four dollars seventy yesterday, and Funstar a dollar seventy. When, when in reality, they'd basically gone yeah. win for win against each other. Yeah, and I just think it was outstanding tactics by Karen McAvoy. They went forward and kept Funstar three wide. So I think that you know did have an impact on where Funstar was going to be settled. And I think James McDonald had to push forward on her just because uh, Karen McAvoy just ensure that she was out wider. But um, another horse to follow is Quick Thinker, that won the Tullock Stakes. Yeah, that was a very dominant win. He looks like he can run out the Derby distance. It's just whether he's got the class of a Castel Vecchio, Shadow Hero or Warning, but I think he's a good chance. And I don't know, I don't know if Castel is going to the Derby. I thought he was going to go to the Queen Elizabeth. Well, currently is the uh, favourite for the Derby, but obviously... Haven't quite got to the acceptance and stage yet. But quick thinker, you're getting $8.50 about at the moment. So that's a nice little value bet there for sure. Because yeah. yeah, I thought looking at that derby field, Shadow Hero, yeah, didn't have, never going to win. But I probably, I, I did read that um, Shadow Hero's last 400, 600 was pretty similar to Castelvecchio. And Castelvecchio was on speed doing work. Shadow Hero was out the back having a bludge. <laughs> yeah, their, their last 400, 600s were yeah. pretty much identical. So I think Shadow Hero should have maybe run a little bit quicker home. I had uh, that in the absolute forgive file for Shadow Hero. It was a part of a track that not one horse made any ground from uh, that day or in subsequent meetings, to be honest. So I'm definitely still keen on Shadow Hero for that race. But I am mindful that he was a little bit disappointing in the VRC derby last spring. So whether he can run out... 2,400 metres. Um, I've still got that niggle. And I did think Warning was probably... Um, I thought Warning could have finished a lot closer to Castelvecchio as well last start. So it's a it's a race with a lot of question marks, the Derby. Yeah, it'll be a good one to watch, no doubt. And uh, again, maybe one to stay out of from a punting perspective, yeah. depending on how the field ends up. But uh, yeah. if, you do, if you have been following any of those horses in, I don't think there's any reason to jump off any of them, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And the other race... That's on it next week at Randwick is the the English size. Yes. And my mail is that Marmaragan will be in the race. The owners will 
pay the late entry fee mm-hmm. for her. And um, I think for him, I think it's a cult. Now, that was a big run in the Golden Slipper, third in only his second start. So I, I expect that to be running. That's a good bit of uh, insight for the uh, listeners there because it it's currently $7 in the market, just behind AIM at $6, but it has noted that it's not yet nominated for the race. Yeah. So if indeed it is going to be nominated and you, you, that's your mail, then that's probably not a bad time to get on it, Big V. Well, I'm seeing four fifty on the TAB market, so $7 is a, a pretty good price. Yeah, it'll be taking that if you can find it. Just, I know, I know the, the all-in market's always you know very tempting, but... I'll just wait and just make sure they do pay the late entry fee and it's in the, the nominations and the, the acceptances so to ensure that you'll get your money back if it, if it doesn't run. Yeah, for sure. Now, mate, for the moment we've all been waiting for, it's uh, your high horse rant time. So, again, I'll give you a minute. It's been two weeks, so no doubt there's a whole bunch of things that have been annoying you over that time, mate. So I'm very keen to hear with what oh, you uh, have for us today and what you've got to offer. So I'll give you a minute. How about you uh, give us a bit of a rant? Well, I don't think I'll need a minute. This is a very simple rant, and it happened on the, the Friday as I was backing Raw Celebration, and I was waiting for Ken's dream to get to be scratched. There was three horses that had been running on the Friday. I was waiting for... The, the Mara and Eustace stable to scratch Ken's dream and waiting and waiting and waiting and they weren't scratching it so I knew the deductions would come Royal Celebration was three eighty at the time and then I saw it come into $3.60 so I thought oh, just can't wait any longer I just got to back it back it at the three sixty price so I, I took that I got a phone call chatted, had a chat to a mate only a few minutes hung up and I saw that Royal Celebration was back out to 380. It's gone 380 to 360, and a couple of minutes later, 380. It's just, I mean, surely nothing's happening for the market to just change and then change back to what it was. It's just, it happens quite frequently with the corporate bookmakers, and it's just frustrating. Mate, they obviously saw you coming. They thought Big V's yeah. coming with his water cash. Quickly, roll in the price. Wind roll it in. in. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then a few minutes later, they roll it out. What was the point? I mean, this is a Friday evening. I don't think there's big dollars floating around. And even if there was, you know, to come in 380 to 360, no reason to, to wind it back out a few minutes later. I, th- I just think sometimes the, the corporates just play a few games with you and, you know, they wind in the price, make you think that it's gonna it's coming in. You jump on and they put it back out again. Well, they're in a unique position at the moment too with all the TABs not active, only online. So I think a lot of people might have jumped back on the corporate bookmakers. Um, obviously not as much sport for them to uh, to uh, advertise to us, but certainly from a racing perspective, um, yeah, certainly a lot more punters, I would say, now now on those platforms. So, yeah, good observation, Big V. I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I'd get too shattered about that. Uh, <laughs> 20 cent wind in. But, again, you know, you're a man that obviously bets a lot more than myself. No, and the other thing is, the other point is, when you had three horses running on the Friday, I mean, a couple of them were scratched straight away. I mean, I just think if you're running a horse within 24 hours that you've accepted for another race on another day, the horse should automatically come out within an hour. I just think there's no, even if it's the stewards that have to do it, no horse is going to be running 24 hours later. 
Yeah, and it's, it's not good. The dual acceptor thing has always been a bit of a bugbear of mine as well from a punting perspective. You don't know until the day or just before the day, you know, whether they're going to run. And sometimes they're dual accepted in different locations on the same day and it's just hard to sort of get a read for that. And it does have yeah. big impacts on markets, particularly where the favourites are involved. Look, there's no doubt. I have no problems with them keeping the horse in the market until after they've raced the day before because you know, anything can happen. You know, you might get scratched at the barrier and there's nothing wrong with you. And at least you've got that acceptance the next day you can fall back on. But I think once you've run, I think 60 minutes is enough time for the stable or the stewards to to take you out of the field or out of the market for the next day so punters can get on without copying deductions. Yeah. Now, fair point, Big V. Now, I'll move on to the run from the bush segment. Now, not much to add here, obviously been a little bit disrupted over the last sort of week or so but we did see answer me hussy a horse that we mentioned in the last podcast win the race at packetham that we had forecast so that was a nice little win from the run from the bush segment uh, i know it wasn't a bush meeting at bendigo yesterday it was a metro meeting but did you see the uh, little odd occurrence where in the uh the bendigo guineas two jockeys jumped on the wrong horse so the saddle cloth was given to different horses and the jockeys jumped on the horse that they thought they were meant to be on, but in fact they were both rode the wrong horse, which has to be a big stuff up. Yeah, I did hear about that, yeah. Did, didn't see it, but I did hear about it later on. Well, I think luckily I think the horses finished third last and last, so it didn't have any impact on the race itself. But uh, if they had won or there had been a, uh, you know, in the placings at least, that certainly would have created a lot of controversy. I don't know how you stuff up which horse you, um, you're meant to be on. Sometimes these things happen, but... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Oh, Big V, if that had happened to you, mate, you, and you were on the horse, you'd be screaming at the moment. Well, as long as, you, as, long as they recognised it beforehand, they didn't run the race and the horses are disqualified and you know, punters do their money. They did run the race, though. They rode the wrong horses. I thought they, I thought they um, worked it out afterwards. So what was the fallout from that? Oh, I think there'll be a please explain and perhaps some fines that come out of it. I think oh, it's yeah. breaking news. I think it's relatively unprecedented, Big V, which is perhaps why well, they haven't made any announcement at this yeah. stage. But, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure yeah. they ran. Yeah, I did see it on Twitter, but I didn't read the story in detail. But I did see something about mixed numbers happened. But I didn't, yeah, didn't realise they had, they had run the race. They had relatively similar weights, and, again, they didn't finish... Uh, anywhere near the winners, so it didn't make a difference. But what we might do is we'll we'll follow it up and see what the fallout was from that for in the next podcast. But actually, in terms of runs from the bush, um, because I've got some extra time on my hands, <laughs> I did catch a few of the Geelong races early in the week, and I think the winner in the first race, Miss Layla, looked pretty good, holding on for a half length win, and there was three and a half lengths to the third horse, so she was on debut. And the horse that she beat, Mosson or Moscon, uh, was um, having his fifth star. I think Miss Layla, let's see where she goes next. Yeah, you're always impressed when they can win on debut because uh, obviously they get a lot of improvement just yeah. with the race experience. So if it has been able to do that without having that and having a disadvantage against the other horses in the field, then yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on, I'd say. Now, Big V, um, that probably wraps up the uh, racing content for today, but I um, just wanted to check in with you, mate. I know we're all socially isolating at the moment. Just wanted to make sure that you're uh, going okay there. Yeah, we're going good. I'm going to take a couple of weeks' holidays. 
got myself prepared in case we do have a lockdown. So got my PlayStation games, food <laughs> in the fridge, and hopefully racing for a little while longer. Racing, yes, it'll be it'll be good if we can at least get through the championships at Randwick, and hopefully hopefully a few more weeks after that because racing employs a lot of people, and it'll be a lot better if we didn't have those people. You know, going having to go to Centrelink like a lot of other people, if they can keep their jobs and you know stay in work, and you know, I think that's a, a lot a lot better scenario. Yeah, I think I think we're hoping that it, that for the lot of industries at the moment, but as you say, given we're talking about racing, it's important that we do keep keep it going for all those workers. And interesting, a few different strategies from the different jurisdictions around how they are managing the coronavirus. I know that. Queensland is moving to an eight-zone setup where horses and jockeys will only be able to race in those the zone that they specify. And if they do want to change zones at any point, they will have to do a 14-day isolation. So definitely some different strategies, and I guess different jurisdictions have different challenges uh, around uh, geography, etc. But uh, hopefully we can we can continue to have the racing and we can continue to uh, do the podcast to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm wondering with those zones in Queensland. It's a- it's a very good idea, but I'm wondering if, if someone tests positive in one zone, whether the other zones can still race. Because with Mark Zara, if he had a tested positive, my understanding for what I was reading is that the whole of racing would have been shut down nationwide. So it, it's, it's all well and good to have zones, but will the whole state be affected if one person from one zone I, I think the difference there is that Mark Zara had come into contact with jockeys yeah. and officials from both New South Sydney. Wales, Victoria, yeah. and also Willie Pike, who was racing in Western Australia. So that would have had a much broader impact. I think the idea with in Queensland is that once that zone is locked in, that only impacts will be in that zone if there is a uh, is is an outbreak. So I think it's a little bit different now. I think it's been tightened up a little bit, and I think yeah. different to the Mark Zara situation. I'm sure you were on the edge of your seat, hanging by Twitter, waiting to see the results of that one, mate. Yeah, well, I had um, my work emails up um, while I was watching TV, and I saw the the email pop up that Zara had been cleared, and it was all systems go. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, um, that just is a wrap for Season 2, Episode 7 of the Should Have Backed It podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe and uh, socially isolating at the moment. Obviously, it's a really troubling time, so it's good to uh, be able to talk a little bit about the racing and just distract us for a moment from some of those more um, harrowing parts of life at the moment. But if you did want to get in contact with us or ask us any questions, please uh, interact with the at Should Have Backed It Twitter handle. Big V's on absolute fire at the moment with his Saturday selection, so he's left me in his uh, dust uh, well behind him at the moment. Can't, can't back a winner, but Big V's on fire. So Look, if you do want to find a winner, <laughs> big, very elegant. Me and everyone else in the world had very elegant yesterday. So I don't think I offered brought much to the table there, Big V, but you're yeah. certainly doing well. Well, with the five selections that we had between us, I think we had three winners and Admiral's Joker, you mentioned, ran third. That's right, yeah. About your price? Yeah, yeah, at, a, yeah. at an each-way price. Yeah, no, can't complain, mate. So uh, thanks, Big V. Thanks to everyone that's listening. And uh, while we can, good luck on the punt.